0: If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know that I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So whenever I was a little kid, we would meet my Uncle Buddy and my Aunt Paula in Wellington, Texas. We would usually go there between two, three, maybe four times a year. It was a really convenient place for us to meet because it was about halfway between their house and ours. But it was also convenient for another reason. You see, my mom's and my Aunt Paula's aunts, they lived there in Wellington. And we could all get together for the weekend. Now, from the time that I can remember going to their house on, that, on those weekends, it, it was as though I was going back in time. I, I probably cannot explain this very well, but as a kid, it seemed as though Wellington, the city, was lost somewhere in the past. Now, I'm not sure that it really was so much the city, it was more like their house. The house we stayed in, it was lost in the past. There was nothing modern at all about that house. There was no central heat and air. We had to rent a VCR when we went to Wellington just so we could watch some movies. And most of the furniture was well over 50 years old. And then if you just went into the kitchen, you would find all these utensils and these gadgets that that were unlike anything I had ever seen or, or used. They didn't have the drip coffee maker like what we had. They had what they called a percolator. And they didn't really ever use the microwave. They had one. I don't even know if it was plugged in, to be honest with you. But they heated everything, either up, they heated it up on the stove or they put it in the oven. And so it was this completely different world each and every time we headed over to Wellington. Now these two ants, I want you to picture these two women just for a second. They had regular names. They really did. But we never called them by their regular names. We called them Moof m-o-o-f and sissy so move she was my grandmother's oldest sister and boy I wish y'all could have met her she was so amazing she was one of the sweetest kindest one of the most generous people I have ever known in my whole life and she worked hard she worked hard for everything she had which really wasn't very much she gave without ever thinking about it. Her heart was genuine and true. I, and I never, not one time in all the years I knew her, I never heard her say a single ugly thing about anyone. I'm not going to go into a lot of details with you, but I just need you to understand that she had had a rough life. And she had every right to be bitter. But she wasn't. Then there was Sissy. Now, Sissy was pretty much the complete opposite of Moof. I will say she did work hard, but she wasn't very generous. In fact, she was actually pretty selfish. She really didn't like to share anything with other people, even when she had more than she could ever use in two lifetimes. And and when I was small, she had this little dog. His name was Tiger. And Tiger, well, he was just as mean as she was. I remember I was about seven years old and we were out in their backyard talking about something and and Tiger, he kept coming around my feet and he would would snarl and growl and snip at me while I was standing there. And so I was a little bit afraid and I was tired of Tiger doing that so I just kind of pushed him. I didn't kick him. I just kind of pushed him away with my foot trying to get him to leave me alone. And when I did, he bit the top of my big toe and it hurt. And I started crying. And when I did sissy blamed me she said it was my fault for antagonizing tiger well to say the least church i never did like sissy very much (laughs) well so as i got a little bit older and i got to know them as an adult and as i was around and sissy i often wondered i wondered why in the world these two women who shared a common background why they were so different from one another it made absolutely no sense to me, because Moof, you see, Moof is the one who had the rough life. She's the one who had to put up with a lot of abuse, and I mean physical abuse, and she put up with injustice in her life. She, she had been taken advantage, advantage of more times than anyone could even count. She had worked hard, her fingers to the bone, and she had absolutely nothing to show for what she had. She really was the one who should have been filled with so much bitterness and so much anger, and she never was. And there there was Sissy. She had made it. She had grown up and become this independent woman who lived life the way she wanted to live it. And and she had more than enough, and she could do anything she wanted to, and so she chose to do nothing. She wasn't giving. she, She wasn't kind. She was harsh. And she didn't care if she hurt your feelings. In fact, I think she went out of her way to hurt your feelings. So what was the difference between these two women? Well, I think it comes down to this final word from Paul here to the church in Philippi. As we finish out this series, we need to remember a couple of things. We need to first remember that Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. He, he was sitting there waiting for his judgment from the court. He, he needed to know what was going to happen to him. He's either going to be released or he's going to be put to death. And, and the church there in Philippi, they had sent him this love offering. And for that, he was extremely grateful. But you see, he, he was actually more grateful for the Philippians' friendship, he, for their prayer support, for their willingness to remember Paul in the middle of all of his sufferings in his trial. And so it had warmed his heart to the very brim to know that these people loved him from a distance and and they continued their relationship with him in spite of all of those miles that separated them. He says, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone because you see the Lord is near. You see, joy is the hallmark of every believer in Jesus. Unmitigated joy is the one thing that sets people of faith apart from all of those people who are not in tune with the Holy Spirit of God. And so you see, rejoicing is not an option. Rejoicing is a command, but both as individuals and as a community of faith, our theme is always joy. It doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter what has happened to us. It doesn't matter what any single person or group of people have said about us or to us. It it doesn't matter what these people have done to us. It doesn't matter if life is turning out the way we had envisioned for it to because you see, church, all of those things, all of those things are temporal. And what matters is the spiritual. And spiritually speaking, being one with Christ and, and being made one with one another, that is the greatest thing that could happen to any of us. That's why Paul commands us here to rejoice. It, it's also why he commands us to allow our gentleness to be known to everyone. Now, this word in chapter 4, verse 5, is it, translated as gentleness. It's actually kind of a hard word to bring over from Greek into English because it's more than just gentleness, forbearance, moderation, patience, clemency, sweet reasonableness, mildness, generosity, all of those words are all of those words, they give a nuance to what Paul is saying in this one single Greek word. He, he's instructing the people of faith to do all of those things. Now, now one of the best ways that, that I can come up with, to understand what Paul means here, is to think of it along this line, okay? So, in this first century Greek word, this, this word we translate as gentleness, it, it really is also used in how parents of toddlers should treat their children. Now, all of us who have been around toddlers, we understand something, don't we? It takes a lot of patience. Amen. Amen. It takes a lot of forbearance. It, It takes a lot of clemency to deal with these little children of that age. We have this little bitty human being, beautiful children, by the way, wonderful little human being and they are filled to the brim with self-will that they're filled with determination and they can be as headstrong as a mule and they're just a simple disaster waiting to happen at any given moment and so for a mature adult to raise one of these little heathens (laughs) we have to absorb our frustrations don't we we have to absorb all of the anger. We, we have to absorb our desire to lash out because that's what Paul tells us is happening in 4.5. As you and I are rejoicing in the Lord, not just sometimes, mind you, as we are rejoicing in the Lord always, we are also supposed to be absorbing the frustrations and the anger and the lashing out, not just at toddlers, but at other people. All other people. Not just brothers and sisters in the faith, but everyone. You see, in other words, Paul, he wants us to act like Jesus acted. He wants us to act like Jesus acted when things went south for him. Pe- Peter reminds us that when he, Jesus, was abused, he did not return abuse. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. You see, I I discovered something this week. When we have learned how to live life in this way, we have learned what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And see, Paul, he, he gives us a little secret here. He gives us the secret to achieving this joy-filled life of absorption. I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, this secret that Paul lets us know about here, he's referring to something that's not necessarily this, this profound thing. It, it's not even difficult for us to figure out here, is it? It's simply being content with what you have. Being at peace with the blessings you have already received. Being willing to share your abundance, your blessings with someone else in their need. That's it. That's how rejoicing in the Lord is possible at all times. Joy isn't tied to to what we have or what we don't have. Joy isn't a feeling transferred to us due to our life circumstances. It's just living peaceably with others. And it's resting in our relationship with Jesus. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were hit hard, weren't we, church? We were hit hard here in and around Abilene by this this major winter storm and a lot of us lost power some of us lost power for days and a lot of us lost our water some of us lost water for days and we struggled didn't we we struggled through some pretty extreme frigid temperatures we're not used to that kind of cold in Abilene are we And as those days, they continued to unfold one day after another, and as as the suffering continued to mount, I saw a lot of sissies out in Abilene. And I'm not talking about sissies, I'm not calling them names, I'm talking about my Aunt Sissy. I saw a lot of people acting like my Aunt Sissy used to act. The, The mayor and our city manager, they caught a lot of flack for things that were way beyond their control. And our county commissioners, they were inundated with calls and complaints, and, and our first responders, they were hammered, hammered with 911 calls that had absolutely nothing to do with what they were trained to do. They could do nothing about what was happening. And so all these sissies of Abilene, they moaned and they groaned. They complained. And they chose, each day, they chose to be dissatisfied with life instead of rejoicing in what they already had. Instead of absorbing all of the frustrations, all of these frustrations that we all were feeling, they fed into it. But church, I saw something else too. I saw a lot of moofs. I saw a lot of moofs out in Abilene. I saw people take firewood to those who desperately needed heat. And I saw people give one another ideas of how you can stay warm in your house, what to do to to conserve water, how to get through these dark and cold days. And I saw people. I saw people who had the very least to offer. They were the ones who gave out of their poverty instead of giving out of their abundance. Now the danger has passed hasn't it we're back to our beautiful 70 and 80 degree winter weather of Abilene (laughs) amen and now that it has passed i want us here at aldersgate to be filled with joy to to send our appreciation to all of those people who worked diligently in those days of despair the very first week I was back in the office, I, I sat down and I sent letters of encouragement to five different people here in Abilene. I sent a letter to the mayor, city manager, county judge, and the fire and the police, police chiefs. Because I wanted them to know, and I wanted them to understand after all the complaints that they had received, I wanted them to know that they have Aldersgate support and that we, as a community of faith, are filled with joy, and that we rejoice at what they did for Abilene and for Taylor County. Now, now I want us to have a second wave of rejoicing here, though, because I'm asking all of us from Aldersgate, I want us to all send thank you notes to various city and county officials, and I want them to, to hear us say, we are so grateful for everything you did for us. And so if you're here in person, we have some thank you notes They're in the patio room. You're welcome to head over there after the service. Write out a few thank you notes. If you want to take some with you and write them at home and bring them back, you can do that. If you're at home and listening to us, you can also participate. Write out your own thank you notes. Bring them to the church office during normal office hours. And we're going to send all of these over. We're going to deliver these out on March 22nd. And let these people know how grateful we are to live in this city. A city that people care and love one another. Now, Paul's final words here in Philippians, they remind us that joy isn't just some emotional experience or or a transient feeling. Joy is deep. Joy is lasting. It it stems from our ever-deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. And you see, church, this was the answer I had been longing for. The, The difference between Moof and Sissy was joy it was being grateful because you see despite all of the hardships that life had thrown at her move remained steadfast in her devotion to our lord i saw it personally she remained joy filled because she had no doubt in her mind of her relationship to our father and so Moof's life it, it was a testimony. It was a testimony to everyone who knew her that faith in Jesus Christ is the best thing that can happen to anyone. And so this morning, my message is very simple. In a world filled with sissies, be a moof. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may the grace and peace of Jesus rest upon you today. Amen.